Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode 37. As always, the Soccer Brothers Podcast is brought to you by Ambitious Strike. Go check out ambitiousstrike.com for some sweet soccer apparel and use the code BROTHERS at checkout for a 15% discount on your entire order. That's A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com. As always, the link is in the description. So today's a different episode. We don't have my brother, the usual other soccer brother, Sahil. So with me, I have Dinesh Raj. Say hi, Dinesh. Hello. I'm known as the honorary brother. Yeah, he is the honorary brother. Uh, he's uh, Skyping in from Arizona, actually, uh, which is where he resides. Uh, he has been on an episode before. Uh, he, he usually runs our Twitter account, although that's been lacking recently. Um, we'll, we'll discuss that after this episode. But we, we haven't had an episode in a while for you guys. I wanted to do it. Uh, unfortunately, oh, well, or fortunately, however you look at it, my brother is in Hawaii right now uh, with my family. They left me, <laughs> left me by myself. Um, so that's why I have D with me. So why don't we get right into it? Um, we haven't had, well, first of all, how are you doing, D? How are you doing? I'm doing very well right now. It's 10.30. It's 10, I, well, yeah, it's 10.30 over there. It's 1.30 over here. Um, they don't have daylight savings, so something nope. interesting about Arizona. Um, how's your sports week going? How's my sports week? Not very well, well at all. Well, the Pistons beat the Bucks. He's a Detroit sports fan. Um, um, Michigan knocked out of the tournament. Yeah. Columbus. Yeah, you don't even want to talk about Columbus right career. now. Well, you're going to because we're going to talk going about them. <laughs> yeah, Columbus not playing so well. Um, a little bit about D and his rooting interests. He is an avid U.S. national team fan, uh, also a Tottenham Hotspur and Columbus Crew fan. So uh, there you go with that. All right, so let's get right into MLS. Uh, we haven't had an episode since MLS has started. We've had three match days, three weeks. So um, what D and I are going to do are three hot MLS hot or not. Well, an MLS hot or not list, and we're each going to do three hots and three nots. So why don't you kick off the listy? Okay, so first I have to start with Columbus. Not hot at all. One point from the last three games. They haven't looked great at all. They've they've gotten the opportunities that they've wanted to get. They've got into the positions. They just haven't been able to finish. Harrison Offul not looking like the player that he used to. Uh, they used to play that style where they'd let him push up as far as you want, let him play that creative role that he's so good at playing, but it's just not been clicking for them in general. Team's not looking great, and that's why they have one point over three games, and three games that were very winnable. Yeah. I think Portland on the road, you can give them a break, obviously the defending champions. Yeah, yeah. But then, you know, Chicago and Philadelphia are teams you expect to beat, although they're both playing very well right now. So um, disappointing definitely for the crew with, with that one point. Um, and, you know... My, one of my knots is Harrison Offal, as you said. He has not been performing well. Uh, last year, he was sort of a revelation for the crew. They signed him midseason after uh, Grana um, left the team. Uh, he sort of he plays as kind of a third winger out there. He pushes up. Yeah. Uh, from the time he came to MLS until the end of the season, he led the league in crosses, and he's trying to create. It just hasn't hasn't been going well for them, or for him. Um, and uh, you know, it's it's really key that he does well. For for the crew in order for them to succeed, it'll be interesting to see if Burhalter makes a change there. If he goes with Hector Jimenez, who's played right back before, but I think Awful is too good of a player to uh, to um yep to not to not start. All right, so that's those are our first knots. Why don't we go into our first hot? Who's your first hot, or what team is your first hot? My first team is Sporting Kansas City. Really, they've been playing dominant soccer. They they have nine points from three games. They looked. Great in the game before, a 1-0 one, a win. Brad Davis coming off the bench. And this team, we've seen them over the years. They've been great over the last few years. But this just looks like a team that you know is going to go into the playoffs and just play well. I know it's only three games, but... Right. I mean, we've seen them play really well in spurts before. The key for them is how is Benny Fellhaber playing? How are the big-name players playing? Uh, yep. Matt, Gar- or Matt Beasler, not Matt Garza. Um, Graham Susie. And, you know... Even Roger Espinoza. And Dom Dwyer has been very, very good this season. And, you know, some of the signings they've made, um, Brad Davis especially, is an incredible signing, an incredible player to have off the bench. And uh, I feel like that signing didn't really get much uh, press uh, in the in the offseason. But I feel, like, I feel like that's a great, great signing for, for Sporting Kansas City. 
All right, my second hot is Andre Blake, goalkeeper for the Philadelphia Union. Uh, he leads MLS with 16 saves on 19 shots faced. So that's higher than an 80%. Um, in this early in the season, that's higher than an 80% save rate, which is really good. He does have one clean sheet. He is tied with saves with Willis from uh, Houston, who's playing well, but Willis has let in seven goals. Andre Blake obviously was picked number one in the draft. Uh, by Philadelphia a couple of years ago. That same year, they, ha- they had Zach McMath, who was playing well, and they also signed Rice and Boley, the uh, Algerian keeper. Obviously, McMath is in Colorado right now, and Boley did not play well in MLS. Blake has his chance. The Jamaican has been fantastic for them, really proving why he was worth it for the number one pick. Definitely a pick a lot of people questioned at the time with, those already, with the team already having two goalkeepers. So that is my second hot. All right, number D. Oh, that's my first hot. Excuse me. Um, so D, your second knot. My second knot is the New England Revolution, and if anyone's seen them play this year, they'll know why. Only two points from three games, eighth in the East. I mean, they, they just don't look good, and it's not their attack as much as it is their defense. Their defense just has been an absolute shambles. And even though Shuttlesworth has pulled some amazing saves, if you watch that 3-0 loss that they just had, I mean, insane. He looked like a great keeper out there, but you can't rely on your goalkeeper to save you. Right. Uh, You know, New England unlucky in the last game. I don't know if you saw that Lee Wynn free kick that went off the inside of the post. Awesome. And somehow didn't, somehow didn't go in though. It's I, I, yeah, that was, that was crazy. I believe it hit both posts. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was a great free kick. I I don't know. I, I feel, I feel for him. All right, so my second knot is Clint Dempsey. 12 shots this year already, which is fourth in the league. Zero goals and only one shot on target, including a a really bad miss uh, against Vancouver. Not playing well. Not the type of performance uh, you want to see. Not the level of performance you want to see as a U.S. national team fan going into a really, really important stretch of qualifiers and, of course, the Copa America this summer. He he did play really well against Copa America, excuse me, against Club America, in, in the CONCACAF Champions League. Unfortunately, hasn't translated to MLS yet, and he has played 90 minutes in all three matches, so that is my second knot. All right, let's go into our second hots now. Sorry, I misspoke before. Now is our second hot. Who do you have? I have LA Galaxy, and really, they've people every year question their signings. Nigel DeYoung, are they signing wash players? I mean, okay, first of all, let me just have your take on this. It was not just a young good signing. Um, I mean, I think so. Obviously, they lost Marcelo Sarvis a year ago. They lost Juninho to uh, Club Tijuana, so they needed some stability yep. in central midfield. Uh, and Steven Gerrard is not going to be moving that much, whereas De Young is a player who likes to get up and down the field. Um, so I think it's a good. You know, obviously he's an older player, but I think he immediately coming into the league is one of the better midfielders, yep. central midfielders in MLS. So I think it was a good signing. And not to mention the loss of Omar Gonzalez to Mexico. That was another big loss in the back line. But they, yeah, they they've looked pretty good. Uh, last win in the Cali Clasico was a three-one win. Jossie Zardes had two goals, so they've looked very good. They're, I believe, they're number two. Yeah, they're number two in the West, and. Yeah, I just think that they're hot right now, and I just feel like with this team, they've just looked different than other LA Galaxy teams, and I just feel like they're going to have a playoff push this year. Early prediction. Well, yeah. I mean, I think... Well, they did lose Omar Gonzalez, as you said. They signed Yele Van Damme, um, which was you know, which was a good signing. Uh, Omar Gonzalez playing fantastically well, by the way. Uh, but yeah, you know, like you said... They're a team that's always going to be there. It's crazy the amount of depth they have, especially in terms of attacking yeah. talent. I mean, they have Mike McGee and Sebastian Lechet coming off the bench. That's crazy. That's insane. In MLS. Like, that's insane. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so my second hot is Joao Plata. Uh, three goals and two assists already in three games, including an incredible free kick against Portland. Um, I mean, he... Obviously, last year he was coming off an injury, uh, but he is one of these stars in MLS. You know, he's tiny. He's five foot two. I'm taller than he is. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> short. Um, but he is a star. You know, his attacking play, and he, he, he's been forced maybe to play out of position this year. 
Um, he's played on the right side of midfield or as a right winger, however you want to define it, in that front three with Yura Mosivzian, uh, Martinez, um, Juan Martinez, and then obviously Joel Plot on the right. But he has really done well with that role. And we saw a preview of that in the CONCACAF Champions League. That, unlike Clint Dempsey, that has translated to uh, a, a great, great performance in the first three games in MLS. All right, so our third knot, our third and final knot hot, who do you have? What's Seattle Sounders. I don't think many people see this as a surprise, as they're last in the Western Conference. Who picked that happening? <laughs> uh, zero points from three games, negative three goal differential. I mean, the game, their, their last game was just insane. I mean, that Clint Dempsey shot where it was just a perfect cross into the, into the box, and Clint Dempsey just completely misses. And I just saw that I'm thinking, wow. Really? Like Yeah, and I think I think a really big reason why Seattle's not doing well is they're really feeling the effects of the loss of Obafemi Martins. I mean he created so many chances and so many scored so many goals for them. And of course they have some injuries in defense. Um Torres, um the the defender, the Panamanian defender, uh, is injured. Uh so you know, we'll see if they can pick it up. Obviously in MLS they're never really out. Um yeah. until the very end. I mean, they could chalk it up to some referee mistakes, which there were, but they had a ton of chances. Yeah, there were. And, you know, you saw, you know, uh, Geiger, once again, at the the center of controversy. Um, So, you know, well, you know, the thing is, he he has, I don't know, obviously he did well at the World Cup. um, But, you know, that's a different topic for a different day. Um, All right, so my third not hot is Hamasin Olave. Uh, Hamasin Olave broke the MLS record for career red cards this weekend with his 10th. Obviously, the second red card leading to a penalty that Fernando Adi scored, the equalizing penalty, allowing Portland to snag a point against RSL. They were already down a man because Kyle Beckerman got a red card. Um, So... Not not very not a very opportune time for Hamas and Alave to get that red card. All right, and then we have our final hot. My final hot is San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, they're another surprise in MLS. They've been looking really good, even though they lost to the Cali Clasico to a really good LA Galaxy team. They are third in the West with six points from three games, and I don't know. They're really a team that I can see sneaking into the playoffs and doing some damage. They yeah. have. Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, they they have some really great defenders, some really good attackers. I mean, really where they have to work on is their depth. Mo- like most MLS teams, it's just... Right. I mean, that's... constantly ask that question, who's going to come off the bench and make an impact? Right. And you, you would think that would be Tommy Thompson, but he just has not gotten... He has not gotten playing time under the manager. It's the system, yeah. Yeah. And then, they, they do have a problem with depth. But you know, I'm looking. I'm looking right now, and uh, you know, coming off the bench, they have Innocent Emagara, Shea Salinas, Mat- uh, Matias Perez Garcia. I mean, three good players. So I think if they maybe can, if they can continue this, because obviously they have some young players like Fatai Alashi. They have some veterans and Chris Wondolowski, Quincy Amariqua, who's playing really well. Simon Dawkins in his return to MLS. Um, I mean, I, you know, you're right. Godoy, an international midfielder. I, I really think this team, I mean, they're looking good. They have the parts. They're looking good. And this could really be um, a shift in the balance of power in MLS. We're seeing some, obviously it's only three games in. I don't want to overreact. But a lot of these teams have been putting some nice under-the-radar pieces together and have built some really, really good teams. And it's, you know, it's exciting. It's an exciting, it's going to be an exciting year. Uh, you know, sometimes the games aren't as the, the prettiest they should be, especially, uh, this is totally off topic, but especially at Yankee Stadium, I hate watching matches there. Oh, man, that's um, <laughs> They really need to figure out their stadium situation. I mean, San Jose, I would compare them to last year's Columbus crew team. Yeah. Really, coming out of nowhere, but when you look deeply into the roster, you see a lot of talent a lot of speed, and a really exciting team. And I feel like they could really make that run that Columbus did in the playoffs. Right. And, I mean, and I, I, w- I would argue San Jose is a little bit more out of nowhere because at least, you know, Columbus was in the Eastern Conference Finals the year before. Yeah. Um, in a very weak Eastern Conference. But, yeah, you know, you're right. that they, they, they definitely have a shot um, to make an impact. All right. My final hot are the Colorado Rapids. Um, so the Colorado Rapids, 
obviously, they, they've they been playing decently well, definitely better than we thought they were going to play. We thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in MLS once again. Uh, they do have four points, including an impressive win, an impressive last-minute win against LA Galaxy. But the big news for them is it was confirmed that Tim Howard will be joining the Colorado Rapids on July 4th. So they will get Tim Howard. They've made some really good signings. Marco Papa, uh, Zach McMath, uh, Eric Miller, the defender from Montreal, and of course Jermaine Jones. So if, if they can stay healthy, if Jermaine Jones can stay playing at a high level, and Tim Howard obviously not having a great season with uh, Everton being benched, didn't have a great you know last two years, but you have to say he's definitely one of the best keepers in MLS immediately, if not the best. Uh, so that's that's a very, very good signing. Um, they do have Zach McBath, as I said, but still, Tim Howard's a better player. Um, and then, of course, they do have that young nucleus of players that we've been talking about for a couple of years now, and Dylan Powers, Zach Pfeffer, Dylan Serna. So uh, they are my final hot uh, for this week. All right, so that was a cool new segment. Thank you, Dinesh, for that idea. Um, you did a good job, man. You did a good job. All right, so let's move on over to our power rankings. So we're not going to do an entire list of power rankings. We're just going to do our top five MLS teams. Um, at you know, It's a combination of at the moment and who we think feasibly has a chance to win or to go far based on form. All right. So why don't we, why don't we both go through our lists and we can talk about it. I'll go first. Okay. Um, so for number one, I have a sporting Kansas City. You know, we touched on it. We touched on it a little bit. They're a deep team. They know how to win, uh, and they're playing. They're playing really, really well. Number two, Montreal, a team I feel like does not get enough love. Um, Ignacio Piatti might be the best player. Well, not the best player. I think Jovinka is the best player, um, but is one of the top players in MLS. Uh, and then they have obviously Didier Drogba, who's going to be coming back, uh, and then some really, really nice pieces. Laurent Simon uh, on the back line there. I think this is their year. I think this is their year to maybe win it all and uh, bring a championship to Canada um, and Montreal, of course. Number three, LA Galaxy. You know, one obviously one of one of the best, if not the best, franchise in MLS history. Still have still have a great team. Probably one of the deepest teams in MLS. Probably this on paper the best starting lineup. Um, so yeah, and then number four for me is Dallas FC Dallas. Uh, they have some great, great players. They have Fabian Castillo and Mauro Diaz, two definitely two of the top ten players in MLS. Mauro Diaz has been absolutely fantastic for the last part of last year and the beginning of this year, and you know he really has been one of the signings in league history. Obviously, not a big name player, but you know as far as those South American players go um, that we signed, he's up there with you know the likes of Diego Valeri. Uh, Guillermo Barrascoleto, so he's he's a great player. And then number five for me, RSL. Um, RSL is a team I had a, I have a lot of faith in. Uh, Jeff Kassar's men have been doing really really well. They are fifth in the West right now. However, in two of the games, in, in the first game against Orlando, they were down to ten men. In the last game, they were down to nine men. I think they'll figure that out. They just have too much talent up top with Martinez, Mosivian, and Joel Plata. And then you know they obviously have. Some sort of stability if they're not getting red t- red cards in Kyle Beckerman and uh, Hamasin Alave back in defense, and obviously Nick Ramondo at goalkeeper. Um, and you know, I think I think this team Sunny is playing very very well too. Um, I, I I really think this team is the dark horse to win MLS Cup, and they are my pick this year. Real Salt Lake. Call yeah. it. You're calling it. Yeah, Real Salt Lake. I think will beat Montreal Impact. Okay. And then Toronto, no, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Toronto was, oh, like, sorry. right on the, Toronto's right on the edge for me. They just got Josie Altidore back, so. All right, uh, now your top five. And we can discuss, we can compare. Yep. Uh, my number one, just like Nihal's, was Sporting Kansas City. I mean, you can't really argue with nine points from three games. Looking fantastic. Uh, number two, Philadelphia. And this may come as a bit of a shock, but I looked at their last game, and a 3-0 win against a good Eastern Conference opponent, and they only allowed two shots on target. Okay. I mean, that's that's what I feel is what makes them number two is that they have a great defense. They've seen, we've seen they can score, and yeah, yeah. Uh, number three, I have Alec Galaxy obviously coming off that big three-one win. Jossie's artist, 
having a brace, uh, honestly, I think on paper, it's not even a question. I think they're the best team. On paper, they, they'll they blow out teams, but it's the question of can they put it together and can they make their run like they're supposed to? Uh, number four, Montreal Impact, who I think is going to win MLS Cup this year. Okay. Uh, obviously, they have one of the most talented strikers to ever play the game, Didier Drogba. Uh, and then in their last game, we saw that partnership, that center-back partnership, Simon looked insane. Yeah. Looked great. That's an amazing back line, and you have Piatti up there. Yeah. Uh, but a question that I want to ask for them is, how are they going to integrate Harry Ship into that team? He's obviously a very talented player, but if they get him going and get him playing well, there's no reason why they shouldn't right. walk at the Eastern Conference. Right. Although he was injured, uh, they did lose Justin Mapp. And that's another signing. Sporting Kansas City made another great signing. Um, so that I think that was a big loss for them. And I think Harrison Ship, like you said, you know they got to get him going, but he's a good replacement. Yeah. Uh, and then San Jose Earthquakes, number five. They lost, but they looked really good against the Timbers. And I feel like they're really my dark horse for the Western Conference. Uh, just like I said earlier, talent-filled and young, and they really can make a playoff push. Okay. Uh, okay. Wait, was that all five? Yeah. Okay. So you had SKC, Philadelphia, LA, Montreal, and San Jose? San Jose. Okay. So, well, we both had SKC and LA at number one and three, numbers one and three respectively. You had Montreal yep. at four. I had them at two. Um, and I did put them up there just because I think it'll be easier for them to sort of rest players and do well in the East. Um... And I think that's something you always have to take into consideration. Uh, but yeah, so our, our differences are you had Philadelphia and uh, San Jose, which are two good picks. I had Dallas and RSL. Now, Philadelphia, you know, like you said, they've been playing really, really well. You know, CJ Sapong has been great. Warren Craval uh, was a great signing. Same, same with Chris Pontius. Um, I don't know. And like I said, Andre Blake was one of my hot players. It's just, for me, it's hard... It's hard to buy into a team that has been so bad. Shaky. Yeah, they've been yeah. so bad for the for a long time. Um, but, you know, they can get it going. And if they continue to prove it, I'm sure they'll break in for me. I just think Dallas and RSL are maybe safer picks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so San Jose is definitely up there, too. Yeah, I, I mean, the reason why I picked Philadelphia is that they've shown a combination that we haven't seen much in MLS this season, which is a combination between, like, a great defense and a great offense. And I just feel like that alone puts them up there as, like, a top five right. team in terms of power rankings. Yeah. And Andre Blake, like I said, has been incredible. You know, he, he made two saves against New England. That means he had 14 saves in the first two matches. He's really keeping them in it. That's insane. So he's, 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 he's playing really, really well. And then you had San Jose... Um, at four. Fifth. Fifth. At fifth. Okay, fifth. And I had RSL. Yeah, I think those two, I, I'd say they're even right now. And Yeah, uh, I'd put RSL sixth. Okay. Yeah, I, I think RSL has just more more players who can take over games, like Mosivzian most, most and Joel Plata. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't think there hasn't, there maybe has not been a better team in terms of cohesion, maybe besides Sporting Kansas City, than uh, than San Jose this year, so yeah, um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out. Obviously, like Philadelphia, uh, San Jose, these teams could just start losing games, and um, definitely, you really expect, you really really expect Seattle and Columbus, who are both tenth in their respective conferences, um, to, pick it up. to pick it up. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to happen. They're too ta- the teams are too talented. Uh, all right, so let's move on to our next subject, which is the U.S. national team roster. Jurgen Klinsmann revealed his 26-man roster for the upcoming home-and-home series uh, World Cup qualifiers against Guatemala. The first match will be this Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern time. The second match will be on Tuesday in Columbus, which actually I'll be going to, so I'm very, very excited about that. So uh, what are your initial, initial thoughts on the roster? Let's talk about subs, uh, snubs. Excuse me. Uh, who do you think is not on the roster that should have been there? I, I'm i still banking on Lechet, honestly. I'm still shocked that he isn't on this roster. Right. I just, I feel like he's shown more quality this season and last season than Ethan Finley. Even though it's not in the stats, 
I just feel like Lechet's a better international fit than Ethan Finley. Yeah, well, you know, Ethan Finley did get that big assist at the end of the last January camp. And, I mean, I would like both. I, honestly, I wish... I, I would like both to be there. Um, I, I don't know. I think Ethan Finley is... They're very different players. Ethan Finley is a much more direct player. Um, Lechet really knows how to navigate space. He's really good in those tight pockets. Really good at finding the pass. Lechet, or uh, Finley will run at you with pace and get across into the box. I think... But I think that players like Lee Wynn and Steven Lechet are the or Sebastian, sorry. No, you're good. Are the players that we really need on this team. I mean I I mean I love Ethan Finley. I'm the right. biggest advocator for him. But I just feel like we need more players like Lee Wynn and Sebastian Lechet that add that skill and that that ability to, as you said, navigate through a defense onto our attack. Yeah, I agree with you. I think yeah. I, I think it was honestly I want him to be there. Lechet is a player I've been calling for for a long time. Probably a long shot, considering he wasn't in January camp. Um, yeah. The snubs for me, really, are Jorge Villafania um, and Alfredo Morales. Alfredo Morales, you know, for all Jurgen Klinsmann says about playing at a high level, he's playing week in and week out in the Bundesliga. I mean, and he's playing well. And, you know... Midfield is a place of strength, and Danny Williams is the third one. I forgot about um, he. That, that's another snub. Um, I don't know. I just feel like those two players could really, really help the team, especially Jorge Villafania. Um, in an area of need, we don't have left backs, and the only left back I will get to in a second is Edgar Castillo on this roster. So, I just think Jorge Villafania, who's been playing very, very well at Santos Laguna, um, along you know Edgar Castillo, I think definitely deserves a call up, um, but. He's just playing, been playing really, really, really well. Yeah. Same with Danny Williams. Um, I just, I don't, I don't really understand the logic. All right. So why don't we talk about players that are on the team that you think, you know, we should maybe move on from, maybe don't deserve a call up. Um, being a Spurs fan, I know this might sound contradictory, but I don't know why DeAndre Yedlin is on here. I just, I just don't like him on this team. I don't know why. I just feel like okay. I feel like he doesn't deserve the call up more than other players, like Jorge Villafania, who's another fullback. I just feel like he's shown a lot more quality than Yedlin has. I think the surprising thing for me, maybe I don't know, Yedlin maybe could have been with the U23s this week. I think it's hard to say. I think Yedlin has played decently well in the last few matches for Sunderland. I think he hasn't made any bad mistakes. He's been he's been solid. And I don't really see a better right-back option than maybe Jeff Cameron, um, if he's going to play out there, or Fabio Johnson, obviously. Maybe even Steve Birnbaum. Um, I don't know. I just, I think Yedlin is too dynamic and has been playing at too high of a level in terms of where he's playing for Klinsman not to call him up, and he's playing for Sunderland now, which I think is a big deal. Um, but, I, you know, I see what you're saying. I think Yedlin... I just don't see many better right-back options, especially when you yeah. assume Steve Birnbaum is going to be the backup right-back in this roster. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, is that we're assuming that he's going to be a starter. I just right. feel like, I don't know, you, 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 you said that he hasn't shown many defensive errors like he usually does with Sunderland, but that's also keeping in mind that he's not pushing up like he usually does. He's not playing like the Yedlin that got him there. But he's, so, playing, he's, with, he's playing with Sunderland. That's true. It's a team that's in the relegation scrap. They're defending, and I think I think that might be good for him because we know what he can do going forward. Um, but learning how to play defense in those types of situations, I think maybe re- will be really beneficial for Helps him. him. Yeah, yeah. Um, and who knows if he'll even start in this game? You could see John Brooks, Omar Gonzalez, and Jeff Cameron um, from, and obviously left back probably being Castillo or Fabian Johnson. So I, I think you know that's definitely something we can end up seeing. Um, for me. Chris Wondolowski, we gotta move on, man. We gotta yeah, move oh, on definitely. from Chris, Chris Wondolowski. Kyle Beckerman, I can see why he's here um, for experience. Same thing with Chris Wondolowski, but, I mean, Danny Williams, Alfredo Morales, these players deserve chances. And Gu- Guatemala, you know, is a team that you expect to beat, at least at home. You expect to get four points at least from these two matches. So I think, I think, and I don't think playing Alfredo Morales and Danny Williams would lose us games, you know, and I just feel like, I just feel like they should be there, um, instead of maybe Kyle Beckerman, uh, Michael Orozco, you know, he's solid, 
Um, I guess we don't really have... Uh, there's not really a center-back option that comes to mind that's necessarily better. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. You know, it's interesting looking at these at these caps, and you realize... Oh, Ventura Alvarado. That's the other one. I mean, he, he's barely even playing. I just don't... I don't understand that. Yeah. I really hope I, it doesn't start. I mean, I feel like the reason for Wando to be on this roster is really just as, like, a specialty player. You know, if we need a yeah. goal late in the game. Maybe. But still, I just... I don't know. I, I don't know either. I think, um, I wonder, well, we're not going to do it, but I wonder if we're ever going to play maybe three in the back with Yellen and no. jo- Johnson as wing backs. I think Clinton's too, too traditional for that. Yeah, I, I mean, probably. But if you have, like, Brooks, Gonzalez, and Cameron in there, or five in the back, however you want to it. It could be good. Um, I, Yedlin and, and Fabian as wing backs is something yeah. I would love to see. Yeah. I really want to see Jeff Cameron play in the midfield. That's what that's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. He and Michael Bradley in the midfield. Um, and I think it's possible. I really do because Omar Gonzalez is playing at such a high level. John Brooks is playing at such a high level. That can be your that can be your starting uh, the starting center backs. And but what I was saying before is it's crazy looking at this roster and seeing how inexperienced they are in terms of World Cup qualifying. You know, think you think of players like Bedoya, Discarud, um you know, and some of these other players, and they don't have many, they don't have many caps, even Wondolowski, they don't have many caps in qualifiers. Wondolowski has zero. He's never played in a World Cup qualifier. DeAndre Edlin has never played in a World Cup qualifier. John Brooks hasn't. Um, that's kind of, I mean, that's kind of crazy to me, looking at that. Yeah. Uh, has only played in three? I mean, what? Um, it, it seems like a lot more. Wait, actually, no, no. What? Okay, this doesn't, Oh, okay, no, no. Okay, so yeah, Nagby did play in two World Cup qualifiers last time. I was going to say, when did that happen? <laughs> um, so yeah, I think... I don't know, it's interesting. What, what, what do you think? Obviously, no Jordan Morris. Um, he's with the U23s, yeah. which is interesting. Uh, maybe he would have been there instead of Wando, but I think he's definitely needed on the U23s, especially with his partnership with Jerome Kiesewetter. All right, but let's let's talk about pretty good lineup. What, what, do you see, what do you see happening? Okay, what I see is... Let's start from the attack. I see us running a 4-4-2 four, four, in that diamond formation that we usually run. I see Josie starting up top with Clint Dempsey. And then I see Jossie out wide. Um, and from there, it just kind of... I With your it's kind of a toss-up. Yeah. So I'm not really... I, I see Michael Bradley in there. Yeah. I, I see Alejandro Bedoya in there. But then it's, it comes into, into the question: Do you do you leave Jossie on the bench and start Beckerman as the defensive midfielder? Okay, so so let me ask you this: Does that does that mean Fabian Johnson's playing at left back? I think without a doubt he's going to be left back. I I love to see him at left midfield because that's where he thrives at. Yeah. But I think without a question, given this current roster, he's going to play left back for both games, just because of the lack of depth in that position. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see Lee Wynn start on the left over Jossie. I think that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, like I said, I, I think I think it's a toss-up between Howard and Guzan. I think they'll probably get a game each, to be honest. Um, and then the back line is interesting to me. I think, like you said, I think Fabian Johnson is going to be playing left back. Um, I'm hoping for John Brooks, Omar Gonzalez, and Yedlin. Uh, that's what I'd like to see in the midfield. Um, a four-four-two, either diamond or flat, with Kyle, with uh, Michael Bradley, and probably Kyle Beckerman. But I'd like to see Jeff Cameron in the middle there, and then um, uh, we're probably going to see, like you said, Zardes and Bedoya out wide. I'd like to see Nagby or Lee win instead. It's probably not going to happen. And then yeah. up t- up top is interesting because I think Bobby Wood mer- has earned a start. Um, it will be interesting to see if he plays Altidore and Wood instead of Altidore and Dempsey. Um, and maybe brings Dempsey off the bench, but like he's, I don't see that happening. I think it's going to be yeah. Josie and Clint up top. So ideally, ideally on my team, if I was Jurgen Klinsmann, I'd have Nagby and Johnson starting on the wings. Uh, I have Josie starting alongside either Bobby Wood or Jossie's artist. Yeah. But what well, Jossie's really a coin flip. I you never, you never know what he, you're going to get from him. Are you yeah. going to get two goals, artists? Are you going to get the this artist that chases his first touch? You never yeah. know. I think my ideal midfield. Um, my ideal midfield would probably be in the middle, Nagby, Cameron, and Bradley. 
in a 4-3-3 with uh, Josie, um, Josie, Nagby, and Johnson up top. Or probably Josie, actually probably Nagby, Johnson, and Bedoya. Um, but if Johnson probably has to play defense, then Nagby and Bedoya. I, th- I just think we should, I really want to see a 4-3-3. Uh, but obviously it's probably, it's definitely not going to happen. Probably not going to happen. Yeah, it did happen. He didn't even do it during uh, January camp, so it's definitely not going to happen. And I think Omar Gonzalez has really earned a start here. And oh, definitely. He, I feel, I think he's the one of the unquestioned starters. Yeah, yeah. Or should be, should be. Yeah, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see if Bingham, who's been playing well for San Jose and who played well in January camp, or Yarbrough play. Um, this is a 26-man roster. I don't know if he has to cut it down to 23. I think he might have to. Um... So it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I, you know, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, Edgar Castillo. You know, people, you know, he's been a little shaky in defense before, but he's been playing so well for first place Monterey uh, at left back. I would not be surprised if he started. And he, he and, and maybe that pushes Johnson up to midfield. He adds an element of speed. I mean, he and Yedlin at right back and left back, immediately the fastest players on the team. Yeah. Um, which is maybe a little scary. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I could see anyone. Like I said, with Klinsman's lineups, you could see... I could see Orozco or Birnbaum starting it right back. Because Birnbaum played well in January camp. Yeah. Um, but, you Klinsman's know... likes the center backs. He right. doesn't. Right. He keeps and, us guessing. Exactly. And this, honestly... You know, let's let's move on from the lineup. Um, hopefully, we win. We'll, we'll come back and talk about it next week. Whether that, that's with you or with my brother. Uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> um... A really, really big week for U.S. soccer, um, for U.S. men's soccer, because we do have the home-and-home, home, or home-and-away, however you want to say it, um, Olympic qualifying playoff against Colombia. Colombia, um, Yeah, and, uh, you know, the roster here, um, I'm just going to read it out. Um, they have Cody Cropper, Ethan Horvath, Horvath and Tyler Miller as the goalkeepers. Uh, Kellen Acosta, listed as defender, um, who might, you know, be with the, with the full national team. Um, Matt Miazga, Eric Miller, Tim Parker, DeSavio Payne, Shane O'Neill, Brandon Vincent, who impressed in January camp, and Walker Zimmerman. And then in the midfield, you have Fataya Lache, Paul Ariola, Luis Gill, playing well at Carataro, Julian Green, Emerson Hindman, Jerome Kiesewetter, Matt Polster, Dylan Serna, and Will Trapp. And then up front, only three forwards, Jordan Morris, Mario Rodriguez, and Kyrie Shelton. Big stories before this. One, Cameron Carter-Vickers out for the season. Unfortunate. Um, so he's out for the remainder of the season with a knee injury, I believe. Uh, so he wasn't called up, and that would be the first choice center back pair. We're probably going to see Miazga and Tim Parker, um, and then maybe Brandon Vincent and Kellen Acosta starting at left and right backs. Um, other thing, no Christian Pulisic. Interesting. And, and you have to feel that Klinsman wasn't ready to call him up for the full national team, and probably since this is not an official FIFA qualifier. But uh, Borussia Dortmund wasn't willing to release him. Um, or, you know, the midfield, this midfield, Alashe, Ariola, Gill, Green, Hindeman, Kiesewetter, Polster, Serna, and Trapp, it's a good midfield. Um, obviously, I don't think any of those players are at the level of uh, Christian Pulisic. Um, I don't know. I really would have liked to see Pulisic in this team. <laughs> it's disappointing for me. I, I really like this team. I, I like how Klinsman brought down some of the players. Yeah, like I, Miazga and yeah. Morris. I mean, I would have liked to see Yedlin playing this game. I feel like this could have really, I don't know. I yeah. just feel like that would be a player that I'd love to see play on the U23 level, see how he is. Right, and honestly, they need a right Oh, you know what? They don't need a right back. They have to save your pain. Yeah. So, I, I, Payne and Vincent will probably be the starting fullbacks. Um, or maybe Payne and Acosta. I'd like to see Vincent. But yeah, I really do like this team. I think they have a shot. Uh, they gotta play well. They really do. Um, and then if you have a front three of Morris, Green, and maybe Serna, or, or no, Kiesvetter. Morris, Green, and Kiesvetter. Um, you know, that could, mean, that's pretty that's, dynamic. That, that's a good, that's a great front line yeah. on the U23 level. I think this is a a talent-stacked team. It's a very good team. Yeah. But as we've seen in the past with this team, they've really not been able to put their talent together well. Yeah. You've seen a lot of clashes on the field. You've seen them yelling at each other. <laughs> yeah. I mean, 
Jerome Kiesewetter and Jordan Morris have a really good rapport with each other. Um, yeah. And I think, honestly, our strongest position is goalkeeper. You have Zach Steffen. Oh, no, Zach Steffen's not there. You have Ethan Horvath and Cody Cropper. And Ethan Horvath, I think, is the future at the goalkeeper position. He's playing so well for Molda, I would not be surprised if he moves to a bigger club sometime soon. Um, any other thoughts on the U23 roster? You know what would be great in this game? What? An insane Julian Green hat trick, just to get his oh, career man. back on track. Oh, I think, honestly, this is his chance. This, this is the game. This is the game. Or these two of them, if he, at least if yeah. one of them. Um, yeah. And, you know, I didn't mention, this is separate, uh, the, U20, the U-20s are playing in um, the uh, Dallas Cup right now. Uh, the U- U-20 men's national team beat uh, the Fulham U-20 team. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, we need to beat Columbia. And it's going to be it's going to be interesting. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to miss the second U-20, the U-23 game because I'll be at the USMNT Guatemala match. Um, but the, the U-23s are playing first in Colombia at uh, this Friday, March 25th at 6 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. And then they're playing next Tuesday, March 29th, uh, at 9.30 Eastern Time on ESPN2. That will be in Texas. Uh, the U.S. men's national team, the full men's national team, is also playing on this Friday, 10 p.m., as I said, on Be In Sport um, or NBC Universal uh, against Guatemala in Guatemala. And then they'll be playing in Columbus on Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, and that is on ESPN2. So. Yeah. Tuesday night, back-to-back matches for the U.S. national team. Hopefully I can get home in time. Um, maybe I'll head over. To, yeah. Well, well, the stadium's only, like, two minutes away. Uh, but it's going to be impossible to get out of the stadium. <laughs> it's a big few weeks coming up. Yeah, yeah. It definitely, definitely is. Um, yeah. yeah. Yes. Do you think Jurgen Klinsmann's job is in danger if no. he loses these two games? If he, oh, if, if, he loses, if he loses both? Yeah. Uh, if he loses both, he better be gone. You think so? Yeah. No, if he loses both... I oh. agree. No, there's... You can't lose both. You can't lose the Guatemala twice. In Columbus? Oh. Oh, Columbus, that crowd. Yeah, yeah you can That would be disastrous. <laughs> and if they didn't fire him, you know, you have to ask a lot of questions of Sunil Galati. Okay, but, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, Julian Green definitely needs to have a big match. Definitely needs to have a big match. Um, I mean, but knowing the U.S. is luck, he'll probably get injured. Okay. Okay. Right <laughs> okay, D. <laughs> way to have way to have a positive attitude. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough with this team. Yeah, I mean, we don't have a lot of wingers. Mario Rodriguez is another good player. Jordan Morris has been playing at wide for Seattle, so I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how they line up. Um, I really like that midfield. I really like that. On 23 midfield. Yeah, you know, you do have a lot of defensive-minded midfielders like Alashe, Polster, and Trap, um, but you do have creative players like Ariola, who I think deserves this. This is his first U23 call-up, and um, Luis Gill, who's finally starting to get playing time. You know, RSL, he never got a shot. Disappointing. Well, he did last year, and he didn't play well. Should have just went to Arsenal when he was 16. <laughs> um, okay, let's move on. We... we Obviously, we haven't really talked about European soccer today, but we are going to talk quickly about the English Premier League. Uh, we're going to talk about the Manchester Derby. Manchester United goes on the road, which is an American term. They literally just went across the city, um, to Manchester City, to the Etihad, and won one nothing, courtesy of Marcus Rashford in the 16th minute. Megs Martin Dimichelis, and then scores a nice, tidy finish. Thoughts on this Mark. result? Marcus Rashford. Wow. English sensation. Next big thing. Are you being sarcastic? Kind of. I mean, he's a very good player. He's shown a lot of signs of the next big star. But, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like this could be one of those things where he, he explodes on the big stage and the next year we just see him back with the under-23s. Like Yanuzai? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we see it all the time, right? Yeah. But... Rashford, you can't deny he's been playing so well. I mean, insane, yeah. He's been incredible. He's been incredible. Um, it just absolutely embarrassed Dimitrelis, uh, and Dimitrelis was actually subbed off. Um, you know, Manchester United, uh, great, great win 
Um, David De Gea was decent. Uh, Manchester City did have 26 shots to Manchester United's five, but only three on target. And that was sort of the story. You know, you saw uh, Aguero. I think the biggest chance for me was Aguero hitting the post off on the header. Um, great cross by Torre. Just yeah. You know, we don't really have to talk about the match so much, but big picture, a big loss for Manchester City. A huge, huge. loss. And now they're only one point of, ahead of West Ham in f- fifth place and and Manchester United, oh who are both God. on 50 points. And then Southampton is right there. Uh, they are four points out of Imagine four. Imagine that. West Ham in the Champions League. I mean... Very possible. It's, it is possible. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, Dimitri Payet was injured for a, a portion, and they their results were absolutely terrible when he was gone. Maybe, maybe if he, you know, if he wasn't, um, if he wasn't gone, uh, they might be in Champions League position already right now. But it's going to be a very, very intriguing race for fourth place between City, very West Ham, close. United. Also, those three separate by a point. Southampton only four points out, as I said. Stoke City only five points out. Um, Liverpool. I believe they have two games in hand, and they're yeah, they do have two games in hand. West Ham two games in hand. Yeah, and they're seven points back. Yeah, Southampton and Stoke City have both played 31 matches, whereas um, Arsenal, City, West Ham, and United have only played 30, and Liverpool has played 29. Uh, yeah, Chelsea in 10th place. Don't see them. Don't see them coming back um, for the Champions League. Yeah, but the two teams at the top of the table, Leicester City and Tottenham. Don't rule Tottenham out. You're a Tottenham fan, of course. No, nope. um, Leicester continues to roll. Uh, They have a lot of big matches coming up, a lot of tough matches coming up, which will be really, really telling for them. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see how the the end of the season unfolds. Yeah, Uh, I'm I'm very excited too. Big win for them. Um, You know, you have to say Leicester were definitely fortunate against Newcastle to get that win uh, two weeks ago. Vardy was offside on the Okazaki bicycle kick and uh, probably was a handball in the box um, by by Morgan. But, you know, in order to win the league, you got to have some luck. You got to have some luck. It's better to be lucky than good sometimes. Yeah, definitely. But Tottenham, man, you must be, you must oh. be so that happy. Was, that was awesome. That game against Bournemouth, it really just played out about what Pochettino has done with this team. I mean, the way they pressed Bournemouth was just insane. Bournemouth, Bournemouth's fullbacks did not cross half that whole entire right. game. I mean, right. it was beautiful. You know, Pochettino has to be the manager of the... Well, no, Ranieri has to yeah. be the manager oh, of the... Yeah. I mean, um, any other season, any other season, Pochettino yeah. wins this season. Yeah. Uh, you know, Pochettino has definitely done wonders with this team. Um, you know, it's... it's uh, He's, he's just he's been so I, I'm so envious both teams have some big big games down the stretch Tottenham this weekend are uh, on the road uh, I believe yeah on the road against Liverpool uh, and then they play Manchester United the next week they still have Chelsea and Southampton coming up on the horizon um, for in two of the last three matches and then you have Leicester who have a lot of big matches as well starting on May starting on April 17th they play West Ham at home. Then they play Swansea, um, which they should win. Then they go to United, to Old Trafford, host Everton, and finish off the season uh, on the road against Chelsea. So it is, it's definitely going to be a very, very, very intriguing close. season. Yeah. And, you know, Tottenham, they got a chance, man. They, they really do. Um, it's, man... It's, I mean, it's yeah. crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy that Leicester and Tottenham... Are, well, Tottenham is always sort of hanging around there, but it's crazy that Leicester... Not what there. a story. Oh, they're not hanging around there. They're hanging fourth, fifth, sixth. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, you have to say, obviously you're a Tottenham fan, but it would be an amazing story if Leicester City won a league. Um, yeah. It would be I incredible. Mean, it's... And it's not like it's a season where they got extremely lucky and they're getting, like, offside goals. No, they're getting results. They're getting good they're, results. They're a very good team. Yeah. I mean, Conte defensive midfield is probably... I mean, can you even call it defensive midfield? He plays, like, every position. He's, he's like... I mean, he looks like a, he looks like he's at a different speed. I swear, for every stride someone takes, he takes two. I mean, he's incredible. I mean, 
Yeah, I, I would say he's a poor man's Yaya Torre, but he's... I don't even know if he's a poor... He's, he's, he's played better. I don't know if he's a poor man's <laughs> Yaya Torre. <laughs> maybe I, Yaya Torre is a poor man's concert. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, and then obviously you have Mahrez. Um, you have Drink, Drinkwater, who earned an English call-up. Uh, and then you have Vardy, Albrighton, who's been playing in the left. West, West Morgan, the Jamaican international. When's the last time we had a CONCACAF player be a significant part of a Premier League title. Clint Dempsey. Oh, title. Um, I mean, I'm sure they. I'm sure they've they've been there. Um, they've been around. Uh, I mean, the best Concacaf player right now is obviously Kaylor Navas, but um, I don't know. West Morgan. He's the captain of Leicester City. He's a Jamaican international. That's amazing. Big stuff for Concacaf. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Not really, but I mean, it's cool. It's cool yeah, to see. I mean, do you see Mahrez being bought by a bigger club this summer? You know, it'll be it'll be interesting. You know, I, I hear that a lot. Um, oh, he, you know, he and Vardy are going to go to bigger clubs. But what's bigger than winning the title? Um, also, also, they have the new money coming in. Winning the league, oh, and with the TV money, it's yeah. an insane bonus. Yeah, you know, and I, I think they're going to hold on to them. It, it seems like they really enjoy playing for the team. And it seems like the whole team enjoys playing together. Yeah. And, you know, I said this, I think, on the last episode. It's crazy that this season started off before the actual season. It started off with a scandal for Leicester City. Nigel Pearson being sacked because of this, this uh, the scandal in Thailand. Yeah. Um, and he, <laughs> here, here we are. They're at the top of the league. Six, six points. And how about Arsenal? I mean, running through the minds of Arsenal fans right now is... <laughs> This is one of the easiest seasons. I mean, easiest, quote unquote. Yeah, no. To win the league, I mean, it's it's their league to lose. It was their league to lose. Yeah, it was. But you know, you can I you know you can say that about anyone. Like you could say Everton or Liverpool, or they should be in the top, you know, five or six. You know what I mean? Um, because of of, of talent. Uh, yeah. I I just I think Arsenal need a real defensive midfielder. Elony is playing well. Um. But I just, I don't know. They need, I they need a striker. Like they need a better striker. Yeah, they need a striker for sure. They need some more support in the midfield. Like, there's, there are a lot of gaps in that Arsenal team that need to be filled. Yeah. And I, I picked them to win the league. This and I, I just, I don't think Gabriel is good. I don't, I don't think he's good. He, he shows a raw talent, but he just has so many mistakes. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't think, I don't feel like he's not an Arsenal player. Um, I don't think he's up to that level. But, as I said, it should be a very, very interesting finish to this Premier League season. I'm very excited to watch. And, you know, I picked Leicester to finish 20th. So, <laughs> next year I'm picking Everton to finish 20th. And hopefully they win the league. <laughs> um, Alright, so that's it for the English Premier League. So, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do... First, I'm, we have two more things we want to talk about. First, I'm going to go into the Americans' Top 5 Abroad. Every time we do a podcast... I uh, do a top five for Americans abroad, whether that's in Europe or South America, Asia, Africa, wherever they are, uh, Central America, uh, my, my top five. Sure. <laughs> Antarctica. Um, for that week. All right, so number five for me is Perry Kitchen, making his debut for Hearts. Uh, they did lose, but he started and he played 90 minutes in their 3 nothing loss. Number four, John Brooks, who continues to impress. Um, he started and played 90 minutes in a, in a big win versus Ingolstadt. And they are, um, Ertha Berlin, are sitting pretty, man. They're sitting pretty in, in the Champions League contention. It's crazy that, they, that they're, they, are where they are where they are. They're in third place right now, four points up on Schalke in fourth place. Um, obviously, you have Mönchengladbach in fifth place, two points behind Schalke. But if Mönchengladbach finishes in fourth place... And Ether Berlin finishes in third place. We could see three Americans play big parts in the Champions League next year with Christian Pulisic for Dortmund, um, Ether, or John Brooks for Ether Berlin, and, and uh, Fabian Johnson for Mönchengladbach. Um, that would be incredible. And then Dortmund, uh, this is a little off topic, but Dortmund obviously has Joe Jow. When he comes back, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Um, and they just signed Will Pulisic. <laughs> Chris, Christian Pulisic's cousin, the goalkeeper, <laughs> Dortmund did today. So, um, and then, yeah, yeah. Well, and if, if Wolfsburg, 
in the next coming seasons, they just signed an American youth player named Mackenzie Gaines. If they can pick it up and be in the Champions League, it's an exciting time. There are so many Americans in, in the Bundesliga. Um, and, and if Mönchengladbach finishes in fourth place, um, actually, Schalke has Haji Wright. So the top five teams in the Bundesliga right now have American players. Three of them have American players who are playing uh, consistently. Bayern Munich obviously has Julian Green, but, you know. I, I think Joe Zhao is very exciting, considering Thomas Tuchel's insane. Ins- I thought Pochettino played a really high-octane, high-press, and then I watched Thomas Tuchel's team, and it was yeah. just insane. I mean, Joe Zhao can run for miles and miles, and right. I feel like he's going to be a perfect fit when he gets back there. Yeah, I don't know what that means for Pulse. I, I don't know. Hopefully he comes back. Hopefully he comes back stronger than ever. Um it's just so hard to come back from injury. Um, yeah, especially when you're that young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, number three. So that was number four, John Brooks. Number three, Emerson Heinzman started for Fulham and played 75 minutes. Obviously, um, not a great season for him. He's not been in good terms with the club. He's going to be leaving next year. It looks like Manchester United is leading the race for his uh, contract, for, for his contract. Wolfsburg also up there. Um, so, uh, you know, it's good to see him back on the pitch. I believe they hired a new coach, so, you know, Emerson Heinemann definitely deserves to be starting there, one of the better players on the team. Uh, glad to see him back there. Timmy Chandler, number two. Uh, no, no, they didn't hire a new coach. Um, Eintracht Frankfurt hired a new coach, and Timmy Chandler's back in the starting lineup. Uh, he played 90 minutes in a one nothing win over Hanover. Great to see him back in the starting lineup. Hopefully he can get going again, and he can be a good fullback option for the U.S. men's national team. And number one, it's that boy again, Bobby Wood. He's on this list every single week. Bobby Wood started, he played the entire match, and scored another goal for Union Berlin in a 3-1 to victory. And he has been incredible this season. He has been so good for this team. Um, I believe it's his 13th goal of the year. Um, he uh, He's on fire, man. He he really is on fire. 14th. That's his 14th goal for Union Berlin in 25 matches this year. Uh, I, I, you know, I really hope he can become a consistent part of this team. Um, a consistent part of this team. And he he ties the U.S. men's national team record for most goals in the Germans in, a, in the German top two divisions. Do you know who he's tied with? Uh, no. Yes. I'll give you a hint. He's a backup striker in MLS for Columbus Crew SC. Connor Casey. No. Are you serious? Yeah, and I went over this with Sahil a couple of episodes ago, how Connor Casey, Connor Casey, man, he, back in the day, he was doing, he was doing well. He was doing well. Um, for Hanover, for Hanover, he had eight goals in 23 matches. For Car- Ruher, I believe, on loan in the second division, he had 14 goals in 30 matches. And for Borussia Dortmund, for Borussia Dortmund, he had one goal in four appearances. Um, I mean, I think this will be scratched out when Julian Green inevitably has his first 30-goal se- season next season. Oh, definitely. But, but you know, Julian Green, uh, apparently AC Milan are after him, and I think that'd be a good move for him. Like, it's, uh, it's, it's a good club, and if he can actually play there, I think... That's the question. A- AC Milan aren't known for treating their players Okay, but well. that's, that's fair, but AC Milan aren't as good as they used to be. Like they're they're good, they're good in name, but they're not very good on the pitch. So if he can play there, I think he can break into the lineup. Um, it's not going to happen. At, it's not going to happen at Munich. They're too good, and they're going to buy players who are too good. Yeah, I'm not saying Julian Green can't get to a really high level, but right now, I mean, even I think Hoiberg has passed him up. Um, I think I think they should put him on loan to the Dutch league. I think that's a place where he can really thrive and develop. Yeah. I mean, I think that'd be good, too. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Pulisic. Um, they don't want to loan him. They, re- uh, they really like keeping their players in-house. So, uh, you know, I-, I hope he's the one. He's the, he- he's the next star for this team. All right, so that's my American top five. Let's briefly talk about the Champions League. 
you know, we didn't really talk about it. Um, last week, we had matches. PSG beat Chelsea 2-1. to Wolfsburg beat um, Ghent 3-2. to uh, Kenny Saif from Ghent didn't get called for the U.S. national team. He actually went to the Israeli national team. Barca beat Arsenal 2-0 at home. And then Atleti, Atletico Madrid beat PSV uh, on penalties. Um, so, what are your thoughts? Well, well, let's talk about let's. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even mention Bayern Munich. Um, four two Juventus. Yeah, Bayern Munich four two Juventus, which is a crazy, crazy match. Insane. That was one of the better matches I've seen. I can't. I mean, oh man, I feel for Juventus. I feel for Juventus. But Kingsley Coman's the real deal, man. He, he's so good. He's very good. I think. I think this Bayern Munich team is probably the only team right now that is equipped to beat Barcelona. I think Barcelona can steamroll just about anyone but Bayern Munich. Or, yeah. or Juventus, but Juventus yeah. obviously have been knocked out. Yeah. Actually, okay, wait, I want to make a quick correction. I apologize. I was reading the uh, first the first match results. Wolfsburg beat Ghent one nothing. Real Madrid beat Roma 2 nothing. Uh, Benfica beat Zenit 2-1. And this is last week. PSG beat Chelsea 2-1. Uh, Man City and Dinamo Kiev tied uh, cities through. Atletico Madrid beat, um, like I said, Atletico won on penalties. Barcelona won three to one over Arsenal at home, and Bayern Munich, as I said, won four to two. Um, so yeah, Bayern Munich and Barcelona, obviously the two best teams in the competition. Um, and hopefully, Bayern Munich plays Benfica, which you know Benfica is a good team, but you it's have Bayern. to feel, yeah, you have to feel like they are really, really happy about that draw. I think I think Real Madrid are also happy with their draw. Wolfsburg, I think that's the second best team they could have gotten. Yeah. Man City PSG will be an interesting match. And then Barcelona Atletico Madrid, definitely the tie to watch in my opinion. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything to add um, in Champions League? I, you know, we just wanted to go over them quickly. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just want to talk about Real Madrid. I mean, okay. they've they got a new coach, Zinedine Zidane, for almost everyone who knows that. Yeah. Uh, but the main focus in the last few weeks is that a lot of people have noticed that they're building their player on Gareth Bale more than Cristiano Ronaldo. And that's that's a big point because many feel like that's why Rafa Benitez was sacked, is that he put a lot of faith into Ronaldo. And Ronaldo, obviously being 32 years old, I mean, he can't produce like he used like he yeah. used to be able to. Yeah, definitely. Is, is this the right decision? Do you think Bale is the guy to invest into, or should they... Like to Hamas to lead the team or Benzema? Uh, man, that's a tough. That's tough. I think... Well, I don't think any of them are ever going to be as good as Ronaldo is. Um, yeah. I don't think any I of agree. them are going to be able to carry it, the team like Ronaldo has. So, in my opinion, they need to work together. Um, they, And hopefully, maybe if Ronaldo leaves soon, maybe it'll be better for team chemistry. You have to feel like that might be an actual benefit. Obviously, it's never good to lose a play, like one of the top two players in the world. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what that what that dynamic looks like. I think I think that's the move to make. I think Ronaldo to PSG is that is the move that Real Madrid have to make and bring in Aiden Hazard because I just feel like he's a player that could really bring the team together. He's a great player, even though he's had a rough season at Chelsea. Um, I blame that mostly on the team. I don't blame it on him. I think he's a fantastic talent regardless of the season he's been having. I think he's the final piece that they need to really start competing with Barcelona and maybe some more defensive pieces. Right. And, you know, I don't... I don't I'm don't. i hesitant to say that because Cristiano Ronaldo is still the second second best player in the world. Um, or if not the best. I mean, I, I think Messi's better right now. But it's just so difficult for me to just... I mean, Real Madrid will have no difficulty doing it if they have to, but tossing aside a player like Ronaldo like that. I just... I don't know. I just feel like, especially after this season, with all the things he said, and, like, yeah. if you look at the shots he takes, it's just... No, it's, yeah. It's... I don't know. I just feel like it's time to move on for them. I think it's definitely a discussion to have. I don't know if it's time to move on yet. It's not something I can or am willing to say. Um, but... Uh, you know, they, I feel like maybe moving away from Ronaldo being the focal point is the right choice, uh, with Bale. I don't know if getting rid of him is yet. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, all right. So that wraps up everything we are going to talk about today. Um, thank you, Dinesh, for being, 
substitute for Sahil. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Uh, as always, go check out ambitiousstrike.com. That's A-M-B-I-T-I-O-U-S-S-T-R-Y-K.com. The link will be in the description. Go check them out for some sweet soccer apparel. Um, you know, buy, buy a shirt for yourself, buy a shirt for your friends. Use the code BROTHERS uh, at checkout for a 15% off discount. We do have an email for this podcast. If you want to email us your questions or your um, comments, that's soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We also are on social media. We're on Facebook on Soccer Brothers, under Soccer Brothers Podcast. We are also on Twitter and Instagram. Our handles at Soccer Bros Pod. Uh, check us out on iTunes and Google Play if you're listening on SoundCloud. And definitely go subscribe, uh, rate, and download our episodes. Uh, thank you so much for listening. As always, all the social media uh, information will be in the description as well. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you for episode 38, a post-U.S. Men's National Team qualifier episode of the Soccer Brothers Podcast.